um, we can even understand that wine has to follow certain needs. Wine has to uh, enjoy, be enjoyable. We have to talk about persons. We have to talk about emotions. And the philosophy at all should be understanding of the, uh, the environment. So if we see it, wine as an entity. In this episode, I'm talking to winemaker Sigurd Bayer. Hello, Sigurd. How are you? I'm fine. I'm hoping you have even a great time. I'm great, thank you. It's so lovely to talk to you. For me too. You are you are in Switzerland. Uh, currently, I am in uh, Venezia, so Venice, because ah. I have some appointment here around. But normally, yeah. I live in Switzerland, and uh, I'm working for a Swiss holding, uh, even in Austria. So I'm doing some work over there. Oh, I see. Okay. But now tell me, you, you're a winemaker. You you qualified as a winemaker. Mm-hmm. Where exactly did this love for winemaking start or the interest? Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, we, can, um, we can tell about some heritage, some yeah. family heritage. And then it's not a, a boundary, but even a wish of myself to get into this. So the heritage is over 350 years of winemaking in uh, Südtirol, so in northern Italy, actually yeah. northern Italy, was uh, former Austin. And then uh, my family didn't want really that I get into the step because uh, just one member of the family should do something different. Oh, okay. But my love for winemaking was too big, so I decided okay. to do it against every opposition. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you grew up in this environment, mm-hmm. this winemaking environment. Of course, and um, I think once uh, you get the sickness of uh, having fun in uh, vintage and yeah. you survive it, uh, you uh, can sustain all the pain, the, the free time you have to spend in the digging in, the arguments, you have to learn better and you never finish to do that. Then you commit yourself to do what you like and uh, what your uh, path could be. So winemaking for that reason. But now uh, for you, uh, you grew up in winemaking or mm-hmm. in this in this environment. Mm-hmm. How important was it still to go and study it? It is important because um, talented people, I, I guess I have some talents, uh, even uh, in uh, getting into new cultures, and new scenes and new technologies. So uh, a person needs some traits to get trained. And only talent means that you close your mind uh, to what you expect and what you find more comfortable. Studying means to, um, to go or to affront some uh, some discussions, some arguments you don't know, you barely understand, you get into, you're trying to, to find your way. And sometimes, uh, I guess studying, as I did, so I didn't a wine schule, so a wine school, yeah. I did it uh, in an academic way. So I'm interested in uh, having troubles and get a, um, a, 
uh, way how to handle with it. So a scientific way, so a rational way, which permits me once it's cleared to get on again on your hot feeling, on your taste, on your irrational side. So combining the bots. But you need to study to be um, fully committed to how uh, nature works. And then you can decide to follow the, the science who says, we cleared it out. So the left side we took out, the right side we took out. That should read the way what we uh, recommend. And you have to know it. And sometimes, so just to not lose faith in winemaking, uh, we go beyond the borders. So we're trying even things out, and that's even the movement in the last years, which I uh, appreciate, of the natural wines, of uh, wine without sulfur, of new technologies, or the new technologies are even um, a result of traditions, which um, people say, oh, it's old stuff, you maybe don't need it. And then you experiment it and say, okay, let's combine it differently. And so we have a new way to understand taste and getting out what we all want, emotions. It's a, it's a very emotional uh, product, if you can say product. So it, it's something that people connect and uh, permit themselves to go um, in contact with other ones, to speak about their own taste. So even the tastings is very interesting because people uh, declare so much from themselves without knowing. And really? this is some taste. Yeah, because at the end, when you talk about taste, you talk about yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you get a, a tasting, a shared tasting, and they say, I like it. So you have another stone in your uh, mosaic frame to identify the person. Uh, every one of us is different, but there are patterns of taste. And once you get uh, in touch with these persons, then you understand them better. You understand how to talk how they interested, how they dress, because it's all a matter of taste. And so you can understand them or you, you're trying to get them in a, in, a, in a way that you can say, okay, and now we're going deeper to, to what you may like. And um, of course, they are customers, they are persons, they have feelings and emotions. And doing it industrially, so wine is even industry, you're trying to get this eight or nine persons out of 10 who may like it. But that doesn't mean that you're not interested in the one or two persons who maybe are not interested in that kind of wine. Because sometimes in, um, in the way people uh, get to wine, it's a beginning. Or they, they have their own taste, but they are not conscious. They need a lead, they need uh, some advice. And the more they grow, the more they have uh, own personal experience. And so they go towards their own uh, emancipation of taste. And then you can oh. uh, understand them and uh, deliver what they may need. So they are even keen to discover new things. So they, they say, okay, I know that, that's good. I drank that for the last five years or 10 years. That's fantastic. And then they get into and said, oh, let's try something different. Oh, I I attend um, a dinner to some with somebody who want to impress or, or I had something. So they begin to be emancipated in their own taste and they, they share it. And that's the way they uh, say something about their, themselves. 
in which stadium of the uh, emancipation of taste they are going, and how um, how they are ready for getting uh, wines who are not totally understandable at the first sight. So, you know, there could be a laugh at first sight, even in wine. But yeah. I think uh, once that is over, so you get more in this uh, feeling, in this irrational side, uh, then you uh, under trying to understand this. That's why people are attending even the sommelier course or wine academy or whatever. And then they, they begin to be connoisseurs. So they, they're very understanding what they are drinking. They're open even for something else. They're willing, there's a willingness to spend some money on it. So they may not drink expensive wine all the days, but uh, they can then recognize and say, I had some, which are good. I recognize the, the taste because then they feel, okay, the normal wine you uncork or unscrew, it's immediately disponible. So you, you can taste it, it's fine. So with no, no further explanation. But when you have something different, you, you see the crescendo. So you open it, you're a little sad. So mm, it's not that thing I, I wanted. So in the time you're consuming the wine, you see the crescendo, you feel it, oh, it's opening now, which is a, a new a new discovery. So, oh, wine is not falling down and I have to consume it. But even the day after, and sometimes it happens that uh, there are leftovers uh, in the bottle or you, you, yeah. you leave them for purpose. And then you taste them and say, okay, that's the mechanism of getting oxygen in, combining it, getting the secondary uh, aromas uh, pulling out uh, to having the balance in the bottle and so on. So all the, the explanation you want to, um, to say, but then they discover, okay, I like it. That's a good one because uh, it, it shows me something. Uh, it has some feeling, has potential. It can stand um, mm. something. This is so interesting because uh, while you were talking, I was thinking if I just think the first wine that I drank, you know, mm -hmm. compared to now, I mean, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't, I wouldn't prefer to drink that wine now, you know, mm -hmm. and, and how my taste has also developed, but also because my dad is um, very much interested in wine and, and he's been, uh, you know, he, he's also for many years been at the wine guild and he's, he's, been exposed to many different types of wine and it's so interesting to to uh hear his opinion also about wines or or sometimes when he would say try and and taste this or try and see if you can find this in the taste mm -hmm. and it's like you say it's it's a evolvement almost you know like mm -hmm. a a growth in wine drinking mm -hmm. it is so uh because all of us, maybe I want not to be too philosophical, but in my experience, philosophy, no, no, philosophy helps even to understand the, the daily work. And if we don't use it, so we are just doing things by routine without yeah. being conscious of what we are doing or having a perspective or asking something. So. Um, I'm a winemaker who, of course, have technical education, so we can talk hours about 
the microgram, the addition, uh, how the toasting will affect the wine. But I'm more holistic. So uh, getting the, into details even reveals that colleagues maybe are uh, not so eloquent, maybe not so um, tight in their own arguments, and they they flee, they they trying to overwhelm you with their knowledge. And so you you get more technical aspect, aspects. But talking about philosophy, um, we can even understand that wine has to follow certain needs. Wine has to uh, enjoy be enjoyable. We have to talk about persons. We have to talk about emotions. And the philosophy at all should be understanding of the uh, the environment. So if we see it's wine as an entity where we have every drop that we get out of the bottle, back in box or whatever, uh, we, we get out um, um, thinking of persons, a special place, um, uh, a grape variety that grows there, uh, something uh, unpredictable, for example, hail or frost or whatever, that occurs in that moment when it was produced. And every decision is made by man. So having this uh, cultural product where men share, or women or monkeys uh, share their, their thinking, their doing, then you have the access to wine in a holistic way. Maybe you're not conscious, you don't know it, but the more you get deeper in your, your feeling that, and that's even the reason why people is looking for winemakers as entity, because they can touch them, they can identify them, they can relate to them. Okay, this winemaker makes natural wine I like, so he does it in that way I like. So at the end, they talk about themselves, projecting it to the maker who does the wine. That's my, uh, my experience. Yeah. And so it's, as I said, um, really, revelation of the customer uh, themselves, how they are speaking with you, with you about you, but they're speaking about themselves, which is very interesting when you're on the other part and you're very calm, stoic, and um, trying to understand them. And uh, then you can deliver something. They say, oh, exactly, I wanted that. How you know? How is possible? Or you can even say, sorry, uh, I don't produce that for many reasons. Uh, maybe I have some limitations and so on, but I can recommend you someone else, which is a colleague of mine because uh, the wine world is a very tiny place. And so we can even get in touch with other people. It's people, it's yeah. taste. But, but this is also now just proving how much art uh, a wine is a form of art, you know, because yeah. like I say, it's it's this, it's the human that the human touch of it, and and the artistic side of the or the creative side, and and which is then the artistic side of the human being who is making the wine. This I is guess in your profession, uh, in your profession, I guess it's photography and uh, broader art. Uh, I really don't know it, but I can can feel it. Uh, in your arts, you have even uh, colleagues who are very technical, but you need technique to getting your art done. So you have to know 
which light you need, which camera, which angle, uh, how to develop the the time frame to, to getting into it. And that's important. And then you combine it by yourself and you are the sum of the experience and uh, answer the hesitations and, uh, and uh, projects you have that in that very moment is getting the shot or it's getting the, the painting done. And in everything we do, we have a limited time on earth uh, to be a dark British uh, humor. But uh, as we have a limited uh, time frame on earth, time is a very important thing. Time is important when we share things. For example, we sit together and uh, drink some wine. And the wine itself has an effect on time. So after the release, you need some time to get the, the wine done in a certain way. You taste the wine, for example, a very famous wine. Uh, I, I don't make any name, but if you have a very famous expensive wine, you drink it uh, after five years after release, you may remember the person you are sitting to, you have some emotions, you have some remembering. Then after some time, you have the same wine from the same vintage with other people, and your impression is different because indeed it's different because in this very time you are different, the place is different, the person is different, and even the wine has his own time frame who has followed that. So time is a matter. It's a fourth dimension in, in yeah. everything. We have three of them. So think about the environment, the grape variety and the humankind, which is influencing everything, then even the time. And unfortunately, we are conscious, so we winemaker and the wine industry, we are conscious about time, but we haven't understood that time uh, can be financed. That was even a, a part of my MBA thesis. So time can be financed to have a value-added um, um, value um time frame you can uh, can control and release in a very certain time when the wine are ready we don't because we have tanks we have to fulfill them we have to empty them we have to follow a schedule we have to be paid and so on and so on so it's the daily work which gets on us on the ground mm -hmm. but the time is definitely something that elevates the product that makes you discuss about that makes scarcity and rarity and emotions. And that could be applied on the 10 up to 20% of the whole production, everyone with us. Because then you can even show competence. So if I show you a wine of 2009, for example, and we drink it now, you can guess, okay, if that's a wine that's 13 years old or five years old, I, I trust these guys. They're doing a beautiful job or I, I feel there is some texture, they, um, they can age, so it's not certain products, so they have competence. So that's even a marketing instrument and not everybody's conscious about it. But time is definitely important for us all and yeah. even the world itself. Well, I spoke to a winemaker who told me also that um, years ago, the wine was consumed also differently. It was also made and it was not like now where it's so, you know, making 
for the market, you know, just quickly and, and getting it out there and people drink it uh, very quickly after they bought it. Um, and do you think this is also something that, that needs to be, uh, people need to be more educated in the sense that they understand what is the process and that they understand also this art form, you know, that it's not just about the drinking of it. Mm -hmm. uh, we shouldn't consider that um, linear. So yeah. you have the basic product and then you go to the top product. It's present in the very same time. So contemporary, because you have people, as I said, who are not ready on the path of taste. So they are not emancipated yet, but they even don't know if they want it. So they're on the ground scale and say, I just want to drink or wine. They said wine should be fine. So they need the products and they are the majority. So it's it's good that we produce some serious wines uh, or normal uh, basic wines for this audience because they need it, they enjoy it. And at the end, we talk about wine. So uh, it's arguments they, they're getting uh, more in the... In the in the head but then you have even other person who are ready for that so they they could acquire some basic wine they decide by themselves to do it or not and then they want to be educated more so as the wine is very complicated because it's not uh, industrial beverage you can say yeah it's made by and so on so we have different territories you have different grape varieties, you have uh, some uh, protected names, you have uh, winters, you have, uh, it, it's beginning very, uh, uh, it begins very to, um, to attach people once they get in. And so they need to be educated because it's their own need. So they understand themselves at the end, as I said before, but they want to know something about something because they feel they're attracted. They want the knowledge to know themselves better because then they discover their own taste they don't know it but they do yeah so education is very important to help people to get on their own way and to help even the industry and the winemakers to do their job because we have to do standard products which is fair it's good yeah have to uh, but the goal of every winemaker is doing some art so you don't do every day your schedule. You can do, but then you're not a winemaker. You are yeah, a good professionalist. You do your duties. That's lovely. But when you're really a winemaker who wants to be called winemaker, you need that irrational way where you can say, let's try it out. Let's get the time done. Let's put attention to it to have some details that I, I like. And then you go out and then you show what you're doing and you know i'm doing it right now and in four years then we can talk about maybe you're not in one way anymore maybe you're not on uh, with our own steps on the ground but you, you leave something that people can enjoy and you show what is possible to do and furthermore that's even a question sometimes rises that bad vintages which I don't know who has to say if it's bad or not, the so said bad vintages uh, are a challenge of, of everyone of our guild. So they're trying to get the best out of this vintage and doing it. 
you put a lot of effort in the top products because the normal you have to apply some science and some technology to get it done. But if you try, even Austria, the 2014 uh, year, but uh, even in France, the 2016, so there have been some frost and hails and whatever, and rain uh, during the harvest time. And normally people say before they finished uh, fermenting the wine, it's a bad year. Why? Because the conditions have been bad. But that triggers normally the art of the winemakers. And if you try right now some uh, vines from Bajau 2014, or some 2016 uh, from, uh, from Burgundy or even somewhere else, they're fantastic wines. Really? Because they're developing differently. They, they are not the normal thing you expect. And if someone is very uh, detail-oriented, and, and uh, he uh, has sensibility in doing his, uh, his winemaking, you can guess that he does the perfect selection of the remaining grapes. He does put attention in fermentation. He does allow a certain aging. And uh, then you try them out and say, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. And that's a good feeling. Then you see that wine is not uh, one dimension, but has different uh, uh, layers, even within a, a winery, uh, you say, oh, that's the exception. That's even the reason why Bordeaux, they have different prices for different vintages. Because they don't say it in the, that year, they say after they produced it and bottled it. So yeah. now that is the, the good point. You have the, the pre-release, you have the en primeur, where you guess what it could be, but it's just, yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah. afterwards, when you get um, the, the prices and the accolades, then that's the right way to do it. Then you can say that is a vintage we can recommend and it's maybe worth to, to have drunk in once a lifetime, for example. That is so interesting. And now you're talking about the fermentation process also. Um, so that's actually um, nature that, or, or how much do you intervene in this in this process? We have to intervene, but we have not to intervene. So I'm I want to explain that better. So in this process, we know there are some points the science didn't uh, deliver uh, all the answers yet, but if we control it, we have uh, outputs we know. Because uh, since Louis Pasteur in the last century uh, described the fermentation through the yeast. We know barely how to do it. We have selected yeasts. We have um, control uh, of the temperature, so all parameters to permit um, uh, fermentation in the direction we know we want. So that's security. Yeah. But you know, all things that are very secure in life are not so exciting. Yeah. So. Uh, you lose even some opportunities if you do security. And the taste is one of them. So it tastes, but doesn't get, uh, get some value or added value. So not doing things, and that is even the wild fermentation or the controlled wild fermentation, means that you lead the wine to a direction uh, which expresses once more where the wine come from. So it's a winery, it is uh, your vineyard. You can even 
get some um, some grapes smashed uh, out in a vineyard in a little tinny um, stainless steel uh, uh, vessel and close them so you have the yeast of the vineyard doing that or in the winery which oh, yeah. are completely uh, fulfilled with uh, yeast in the air so whatever but you know that that could be differently because applying bioscience and uh, biotechnology you know if I get the most out of the grapes. In that moment, I squeeze it under the surface of the grapes. There are even some winemakers who wash the surface, surface of the grapes to uh, annihilate uh, that uh, opportunity. But once the must get in contact with the yeast on the surface, there begins uh, fermentation. So we add some sulfur, we get down the temperature so we can check it and then we give yeast on it so it starts it has the dominance if we don't do that so we get the parameters of temperature maybe no sulfur so we know what you're doing uh, but you have you need knowledge for that purpose so you have to study yeah. then you can lead it then you know it and you even uh, can um, guess that uh, organic grapes are totally different from standard grapes because the the application of fungicides and other um, and other pest culling uh, mm -hmm. mechanism um, is not applied on uh, or less applied on uh, organic grapes. So you have a much more variety of uh, wild yeasts, and the fermentation goes even differently because you have no impediments. You have no um, chemical products that can um, delay fermentations. So it's different. But as you know, it can go very quickly. You need the parameters to dump the temperature. You have to, to, to check it, to, uh, to do some analysis. And then it goes to a very direction you, you see. You can so um, lead a little bit. Yeah. And the outcome is the very uh, moment of the variety and of the vintage and everything. Now, is it do you not allowed to, to cross the, the vintages in uh, sparkling wine production, which is uh, wine, but I would say it's not wine production anymore. So it's a, a so sophisticated uh, way to produce uh, wine, so sparkling wine. There you're allowed to, to add some reserves, so all the vintages that you like. And then you can really have your own. Uh, your own taste on it and that's the the taste of the maison of the champagne house of the, of the sparkling producer who you get attached you even don't ask about vintage maybe just a millisimere sometimes but you know if you buy that you buy the expertise you buy the taste you buy the emotion which we can't do uh, in wine so it's not permitted but some colleagues are trying that so they don't get the permission to have a quality wine boom is loaded to table wine, which maybe even costs 100, um, 100 quits or more. But then it's different. Of course, you have a different taste. But now also, you're talking about the organic farming. Um, how much do you think farmers now or winemakers now will, uh, with all the latest um, scientific knowledge that we have now with bio, um, uh, you know, bioenzymes and things that 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 it's important to start 
looking at that, that way of farming? Oh, they're looking, they're mm -hmm. knowing it. But as I said, we decided at the decision um, to apply some uh, help, some technical solutions or not, are influencing the output. Okay. So uh, a protocol of unification looks on that. So you choose on the vintage, on the variety, on the territory you have to work with, which kind of vinification you apply. And so you ha can have a neighbor vineyard to other one, which should, should taste very similar because you have a common base. But indeed, through these decisions, you can do some completely different products. And if you do even uh, experiments, and I did uh, once, you have the same grapes, the same uh, picking day, everything was the same except the winemakers. So we split it in five lots. Every winemaker did what he liked or he was supposed to do. And so you have indeed five different products, which are similar, but truly different. You can taste the difference. Yeah. That's the influence of, uh, of persons. That's the influence of men, mankind. So that's an important thing. I, uh, I even said uh, some, some minutes before. Now, um, also interesting. I I spoke to a um, um, it's a it's a project. It's a, a, a the old vine project in South mm -hmm. Africa. How old are the vines usually, or is it also the tendency to take the old vines vines out and and plant new vines? That's a good question because um, it has a huge impact yeah. on the on the vine. So let's speak about older wines. So older wines have successfully um, settled somewhere. Old wines have been suffering some climate change or climate influence of, uh, of the microclima or even the, the greater clima. So they stand there. They even had some infections. They even had us we. So they stand there. Yeah. And their contribution to the wine is uh, maturity. It's uh, like wisdom as human, we can attribute. So took out all the women, uh, all the women and men who are in the in age of retirement, uh, you will lose some knowledge, some patience, some heritage. So all the wines indeed deliver totally different products. And the strategy of uh, very good winemakers and very good wineries is not to pulling them out totally, but to delay as long they can. And naturally, a wine can uh, stand uh, even 100 years. But then we had phylloxera, so we have to graft it. In, so it's 50 years, 60 years. So it depends on the location you are in Chile. For example, you have uh, the Hul the wines, so they stand even more than 100 years. Even the same thing in Australia, in some parts you have sandy salt, so there is no phylloxera, so this uh, disease, and they can stand longer. And in the vineyards, we have all the wines, um, the, the conscious wineries and winemakers are not pulling them out, but replacing just that fallacy. So when you, when you have one that dies, you get a new one. So in these vineyards, you're not speaking about an old vineyard, you say the average, uh, the average age of the wines is 50 years. Yeah. 
because you have some of 5, 10, 15, 60, 80. So you have a community which lives there, which influence each other, but they grow within this community. And if you're even smart enough, you have uh, not only one clone, which is technically correct. So after Phylloxera, Europe uh, has lost over 1 million hectares of wine, so they have to replace them. So they did what we hadn't had in the thousands of years before. So we get one variety inside of one clone, which is fine. It's perfect. It's rational. It's um, uh, easy to, to, uh, to do surveillance. But if do you have the pre-Philoxa vineyards, you have different, uh, different uh, uh, varieties of grapes in, because you have that that delays the, the, um, the ripening. One is more acidic. The other one has more uh, flat, uh, taste. So you, you combine this as a winemaker in that way that you correspond to your own wine. But if you have the same variety, you need not the same clone, but in a so all the vineyard, you have to take out from the dying or the other one and you graft and getting an in. So there are no clones, there are different subjects living together there. And that is then the very definition of an uh, old vineyard when you have this kind of, of doing, which is uh, more ancestral, more historic than the modern uh, doing. And you can, you can even spot it because, of course, it has to be different. It's yeah. not controllable in that way. And so per definition, it's different. That is so interesting. So that will bring also in years different, uh, a different taste in the wine. Yeah. Because as they mature, the younger ones then mature. You have a common line that yeah. accommodates that because you have this community, let's say yeah. so. And the very interesting thing about it, you have it in Europe, but you have it much more in the new world. So in South Africa, in mm -hmm. Chile, you have it in, in California, you have it in, in um, Australia, because they started later with the, yeah. Yeah, with the diffusion and the cardinalism, but uh, they maintained it while we pushed it out because we are very modern in Europe. So we have a, a quick turnover. We have even a business about that. And in this um, countries I mentioned before, it was yeah a niche. So they had no pressure to do it. Now they do, but it was a niche. So they have even all stock. That's even the reason why the Malbec wine who disappeared from, from Bordeaux was found in, um, in, uh, in Argentina and Chile. And then they get back here to, to Bordeaux again because of the fluxo. They, they lost their own genetics and then had to get them back from somewhere else. Even you have the old, very old wine in Australia, we haven't in Europe because they have perfect conditions. We haven't here. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't realize. Uh, there's an old heritage in the new world, which yeah. is uh, yeah. paradoxical, but it's interesting. Yeah. And you always think it's the other way around because you think in, in Europe it would have been uh, older then. No? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But now, um, tell me, what is your uh, wish now for the future as a, as a winemaker? Oh, there was a daily uh, wish and uh, some, how how to say it? Uh, it's like an artist who is never completely fine with his work. Mm -hmm. So 
we, we kind of lean back and say, oh, I did a great job, I'm fine. I get some accolades, I did reach that, I get some I get some money, some wealthy, I'm fine, and my family, the dog and everything. So this kind of, of understanding. But Waimeka, uh, I think, always wants to get something he doesn't know. Uh, a situation he has to manage. Something new, a new technology, a new uh, new person you you get in touch, and uh, if you're very successful in your career, uh, so talking about myself, I don't know the colleagues. Yeah. I want to share my knowledge with someone who is approaching the industry. So be a mentor to give some somebody to a talented person to guess who gets the next step. Could be my own children. Could be even a very talented person. I meet as an internship and so on, and then I want to share, I want to keep him and give him that. So that's the wish to, to contribute to uh, the industry and the person who approaching it to share your own knowledge and get them settled in, in what they love to do. Because you, you, you see when people is sharing your own pain, sharing your thoughts, sharing your sleepless nights, and when you have them, of course, I sustain them. So without asking, so I get into them. So, so let, let's do that. That's your project. Uh, mind that. Uh, call me when you need a reference, of course. So yeah. That's a thing I do. And the very deep wishes to continue to be always uh, straight on, uh, not to um, think about, uh, have to think about economics. Of course, I even managing director of my department. But... I don't want to do things which are short and firm to lose my long-term vision. That's very important. Otherwise, I can't do my job with love. Yeah. We hate it. And that sometimes uh, brings some conflicts, of course, but uh, we Rimex are normally introverted persons. I'm not so, but... Um, we then block, so we say, no, we are tradition, we have a vision, we have a site, I don't do that. Or I don't, I'm not keen to do that. On the uh, basic ones, no problem. There are basic rules, we can play them. But when we go to the very passion, so to do the ones we like to do, or the expression of our own expertise and knowledge, they have no compromise. So that has to be done in that way. Otherwise, I don't produce them. Yeah. But I think when there's something like that, where it's such a passion, you know, then uh, it also it will have a success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But success is always a definition that all ones gives to you. Uh, you should have your own definition of success. Yeah. Which maybe it's not a price or accolade or money. So it's a mm -hmm. project you do and you say that ah, I was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, but this is what I mean. That if they align, it's fine, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's not about the money or the, the financial it's stuff, but it's, it's about uh, what you've achieved, you know, what, yeah. what you set out to achieve and what you have achieved. To survive the daily craziness, you need your playgrounds, which is your chamber, you open, you go there, you have your, your play to do, then you close it again to be protected about uh, other influences. So if a winery permits that to the winemaker, you have a very good relationship. You have even sometimes product uh, you didn't expect, but the normal work is done. So you do that. It's your daily business, your daily craziness, uh, 
it's what you're supposed to do. They need your playgrounds or your freedom, your your own project. And when you do that, then of course you you have a balance. Then it's fine. Yeah, I love that you call it a playground. I think this is a it's nice, fine. a good word. Yeah. <laughs> you need tools. You need uh, some. Um, some playing cards or something else uh, you, yeah. you get them you get them out so you, important is the grounds where you yeah. can play and the tools you choose yeah and i think that playground that we have it's uh, that is all but that's all, always the thing that uh, where you learn the most you know mm-hmm. about what you do indeed it is so. yeah yeah but Sigurd, this is, oh, I have to ask you first, you have to do a shout out uh, for where you do your, where do you drink coffee? Where do you take your coffee or a restaurant, a favorite restaurant in your area? Oh, there are some because it depends on the daily feeling. So yeah. I'm, I'm not committed to one thing, but yeah. uh, I know different things that fit to different situations. So in Vienna, for example, I have uh, some some uh, restaurants I like in Zurich, of course, in Venice, in Milan, in Wiesbaden. So uh, turning around to the cities, yeah. and of course, when I'm somewhere else, I'm, I'm trying to get uh, some some rumors or yeah. doing something new. But definitely, I have not one place, but uh, a place that fits to the evening or to the yeah. person I'm going to to share the moments with. Okay, but can you name one in Zurich then? Because you're from Switzerland. Yeah, of course. There, um, there are some restaurants who are very nice. I like them. Uh, in Zurich, we have a lake, and the lake is um, uh, attracting pole even for uh, so pop-up restaurants on yeah. very ancient um, so bath uh, wooden path uh, stations. So you have them constructed on the seaside, so a wooden floor. On the evening, they close the, the normal daily um, walk, so the people yeah. goes out, they clean everything, they get the tables on it, and you have very good cooks to do that. And there is the Bad um, Zollingen, then you have uh, Restaurant Lo. So you have different kind of that because the ambient is very fine. You have the seaside, maybe the sun is going down, see a little boat wow. coming by. So that is the relaxing moment where I go most. So I like that. So it's an open restaurant, yeah. uh, which is pop up. And so you have only in the summertime. And of course, there is even other restaurants in the city who are traditional and the other one that renovates very often, but you have always high quality. It's a little bit expensive. Expensive as everything in Switzerland, but that is the place where you can uh, go down and have, have it fun. And there's even the the um, bites, um, which is in the in the third Kreis, so district, uh, where they use only local products and local wines, so Swiss wines and everything local with uh, heritage. And we visited in a modern view, modern view, so modern taste. So they wrap on old recipes, and they get uh, new Amazing. things. So even that's a concept, a concept that I like. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love things like that. So a bit traditional and also uh, yeah. from the from the area. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, it, it was really so lovely and so interesting to talk to you. You've really um, made me think about so many things about wine and, and uh, uh, that I haven't thought about, uh, you know, that's, yeah, that's so interesting. Unfortunately, so, we, we are so deep in the question that we are, don't ask questions. So everything yeah. is set. So we have um, even uh, some books, textbooks, we get the information out and we don't ask questions because we uh, take them for granted. What I did in our discussion, I, I go behind the, um, the curtain, I opened it and said, yeah. okay, behind is something, mind yeah. it. And it's not so easy and uh, fine to describe it like a textbook because there are different layers and depend where you go and what you do, the layer it's looking to you, so you have to be conscious about that. But it could be even be different in in the same we same situation. So it depends where we're going to. And if we feel that, we can understand that in this very moment, persons are enjoying something. They're drinking. They're doing. So it's not all about us. Yeah. But at the same time, different feeling, different emotions, and that's the only way I can approach as a winemaker to my uh, to my profession. And uh, for you to understand that, oh, there's something out I didn't consider, but it's very interesting, but it's difficult to explain. Yeah. So it's difficult. And then we can explain the technical part, we can explain vinification, we can do a lot of things, but it's doing it simple. While it's so interesting, I guess the wine world is so interesting, why it's so uh, unpredictable. Mm. You have a bottle, you have a cork, you uncork it, then it's the content, then it's the person behind, then you have the vintage, then you have the, the trader who stores it. So there's a lot of things behind. And if you uh, maybe just a little bit uh, understand that, then you uh, understand that every time you uncork or unscrew a bottle, you have a special moment. Yeah. Because it's the the moments that leads you to open the bottle with that person alone, but when you don't drink alone, uh, that leads to that with a lot of story. No, that is so true. I, I mean, it's really uh, how you explain it now. It's, it's definitely winemakers are artists because it's it's the same as... We're trying you know, to hide like ourselves, not be uh, burned as... Uh, witches or something else but indeed yeah. there was some uh, black energy behind it because we're in the cellar so there's no light but yeah. <laughs> we're friendly so we're friendly <laughs> but no uh, jokes yeah. aside so yeah. normally winemakers um so really winemakers are conscious of that they're feeling that they are not trying to convince you they are very bad salesmen so winemakers yeah. don't sell so good they need salesmen because uh, I said, I, I don't want to say that wine. So, so let, let it in the let in, in the magazine. We wait some years. No, we have to. So, okay. Yeah. But I shouldn't. I know that I shouldn't. And so I accept it. But um, normally winemakers have this passion, have this pain, have um, the consciousness to not be happy about what they're doing, but they're happy that they do it. So okay. a conflict that yeah. uh, brings the art to you. Mm -hmm. Amazing! You've you've opened up a, a 
a door now to winemaking that I haven't realized. So mm. thank you very much for this. Okay. Thank you okay. really for this lovely conversation. Well, have a lovely afternoon. I so hope that I can meet you in person one day. That okay. would be so lovely. Okay. It's so interesting to talk to you. So, Sigurd, see you soon. Good time. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.